This is one of the earliest episodes of the podcast and was recorded when it was called Let's Talk About Stress. I feel it's so very relevant even now we're looking at burnout because so many people I meet who are experiencing burnout are pursuing goals and making resolutions that are really motivated by what they see others doing and what they feel society expects of them. And this is about getting underneath that and finding what's really motivating you and what would be a successful goal or resolution for you to make as an individual. So I hope you find this episode valuable and enjoy it. It's nearly 10 years since my burnout experience and I believe that it wasn't necessary for me to burn out and it's not necessary for you either. In this podcast, my guests and I share our real life experiences with burnout. We get into the science of stress and share actionable tips on how to prevent burnout and how to recover from it. I'm Hannah Holden, ex-management consultant and burnout survivor. I work with management consultants to help them avoid and overcome burnout. I help them to get intentional about their choices rebuild their energy and embed new healthy habits so that they can get back to loving life. Hello and welcome back. Today, the day that I'm actually recording this episode is Thursday the 29th of December 2022. I am in South Africa for a holiday visiting my husband's family and we're here for Christmas and New Year. Um, And this episode wasn't planned when I came, but it's been building in my mind for the last few weeks. And so here I am, a couple of days before the new year, recording this for you. Um, Because in just a couple of days' time, we will, of course, be saying goodbye to 2022 and welcoming in 2023. So it's that time of year that so many of us feel called to reflect on the last 12 months and make plans for the next 12 months. Now... Given the topic of this uh, this episode, you'd be surprised when I say that I am not actually the biggest fan of New Year's resolutions. And the reason for that is because I make resolutions at any time of the year that I feel called to or that I realise that I'm going in a direction that isn't the one that's best serving me and then I take some time to reflect on that and make a new decision, new resolution, set a new goal in a direction that I feel is right for me. And I don't really like the idea of being constrained. (laughs) Um, I probably could just stop that sentence there. I don't like being constrained. Um, But I don't like the idea of being constrained to just one time of the year that we should reflect on what we want in life and the direction that we're going in and making goals. I think that that's something that we should do far more frequently and we should be fluid around when we can or can't do that. Now, I have made resolutions in the past, New Year's resolutions in the past, because I've felt that need to be able to answer the question of what's your New Year's resolution? Um, And I don't want to reply to somebody, oh, I don't have one. That doesn't, you know, that that answer comes with a sense of personal inadequacy. Um, So I've set resolutions before because I think other people expect me to have a resolution, which means I pick one out of a hat or out of the sky, and (laughs) it's not really the best way of going about deciding what a goal or a resolution should be for myself. And so if that's the foundation of setting a New Year's resolution, of it's one that I thought I should do because somebody else has told me it's a good idea or uh, society tells me that it's a good idea and I'm aspiring to a societal norm, um, those are not really the best foundations for success. And so if you've got these flaky foundations for your 
goal making, uh, your decision making around what your goal should be, then I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And with failure comes negative self-talk and this tension, especially if you've gone and chosen a goal which doesn't really inspire you, doesn't really align to what's important to you. There will be tension and you'll be trying to force yourself to achieve this thing, do this thing or stop that thing. And then there's stress coming with that and, and the anxiety around not being good enough and all of that really unpleasant self-talk. And I don't want that for you, which is why I'm creating this episode. And I'm also creating a couple of extra free resources to go with it to help you go about this process of setting uh, goals and resolutions. Feel free to use this anytime, but I'm publishing it now because it's that time of year that so many people are called to to do this self-reflection and goal setting. Um, So yeah, I'm hoping that these resources, so there's going to be a guided meditation and a workbook, and I'll share the links in the show notes to help you go about setting your resolutions with a good foundation that should set you up for success this time round. So how does that feel? Hopefully good. Um, so I'll get into I'll get into what we're going to be covering today. And now we all learn um, far better from stories and anecdotes than we do from facts and figures. So I'm going to start with a story, um, a story that I'm not all that keen to share, but Um, I feel that it is the best story I can think of that illustrates a point. So here we go. Now, many years ago, I had a very fickle relationship with smoking. Sometimes I'd I'd go through a week and I'd barely smoke any, and sometimes I'd smoke far more than I want to admit to in a single day. Um, And I made so many half-hearted attempts to give up, including a few New Year's resolutions. Um, And a couple of times I did succeed, so I had periods of years where I went without smoking, but then I'd fall back into it. I was never really fully motivated and and aligned to achieving it. Yeah, I don't think that I had that underlying motivation to really commit to being a non-smoker at that time. So that's why I kept falling back into it. And that was until I met John, who is now my husband. And he has never smoked in his life. And I knew from the years I'd spent being a non-smoker that hanging around with smokers wasn't nice, let alone being in a relationship with one. The smell of it on your clothes, in your hair, on somebody's breath. It's just, um, as as another smoker, you don't notice it. As a non-smoker, you become very sensitive to it. And so I was aware of this, and I didn't really want him to be put off by my smoking or have to put up with my smoking. So I stopped. Um, And to add to what I was just describing about him, I also had always envisioned my future self being a mum and being fit and healthy and a non-smoker. I really didn't imagine myself pushing a pushchair down the street with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth or or off my fingers. Um, So that just, that image of... (laughs) of a woman smoking with their child just was not me. And the vision that I had for myself just didn't involve cigarettes. So there was a combination of how I felt about John and how and my concerns about how he would feel about my smoking and this future vision of myself as this healthy mother, definitely not smoking in front of a child. Um, and so when those two things really came into my awareness, and I would, I was just, I was 29 when I met John, 
Um, so when those two things came together, I I just stopped. I, there was no process of giving up. I just stopped. Um, and no doubt I still had cravings and was occasionally tempted, especially in social scenes. Um, I definitely liked having something to do with my hands in social scenes. And there was definitely an association with alcohol. Um, so I would have gone through some difficult times sticking to that uh, decision to stop, but I just stopped. Um, I, I had wanted to step into that future version of myself, and I wanted our relationship to be successful, and giving up smoking was part of that. I was focused on the bigger goal, and I was focused on that future version of myself. Now, when I tried giving up beforehand, because I knew that smoking wasn't good for me, um, then it, it wasn't successful, that wasn't enough motivation. Um, and in fact, when I had, uh, when I was exercising a lot earlier in my 20s, um, I used to do a lot of boxing, um, and I would really feel the pain if I had smoked recently or the night before, I'd really feel the difference in my lungs and my ability to breathe deeply whilst I was working out. That was enough motivation at the time to keep me off it when I was doing that, but it wasn't enough motivation to keep me off the habit permanently. So that's the story that I wanted to share with you to highlight how it, it's about the underlying motivation. It's about why we want to do something. So I hate talking about my smoking habits now. The idea of me smoking, I don't have an issue with other people choosing to, but the idea of me smoking um, really repels me. And um, yeah, I feel a bit ashamed of the fact that I dabbled in that habit for as long as I did. Um, but it's a story worth sharing because I think it illustrates the point that I'm trying to make so clearly. Um, and so ultimately the lesson that I'm trying to convey here, so listen up if you're daydreaming or multitasking, um, is that resolutions and goals that don't have a good meaning behind them or a good reason why you're, you want to achieve them, if you, if you don't have that real meaning or good reason why, they'll fail. Full stop. They'll fail. Resolutions or goals that have no real meaning or good reason behind them will fail. So this year, you might be planning to give up smoking, lose weight, start reading more, exercise more. Yes, I did look up what the top, uh, what the top resolutions were. Those are a few of them. But unless you're really clear on why, the odds are going to be stacked against you. I had a quick look at failure rates of New Year's resolutions, and the stats vary between about 56 and 97% failure. Um, so even uh, the most optimistic say that it's over 50% chance that it wouldn't be successful. So it's pretty clear that the majority of New Year's resolutions are doomed. And I think it's because the majority of New Year's resolutions are set like how I described I used to set them. Plucked from the sky as this seems like a good idea or other people think I should do this or society tells me that I should do this. And so that's where I want to come in. And I want to remind you about the story that I shared around my burnout in episode one of this podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, then have a listen later. Um, I didn't decide there and then on the kitchen floor to quit my job. I didn't decide um, that I was going to be eating certain things or practicing yoga more, but I had decided that the thing that I needed to do was get myself up off that floor and never return there and that my motivation was going to be that I wanted to become a mum. 
and I wanted to make decisions that were aligned to that bigger goal. And so every day I was going to do something little towards that. Every day I was going to make some choices which would move me closer to that goal. Some days I might meditate just for five minutes, but every little counts. I meditated for five minutes today. That's, that's better than nothing. And so I think that's also really important to notice those little wins and make them, yeah, make them little, make them bite-sized and acknowledge the successes that you're having. So I set myself up for success because just doing a little something um, meant that I was seeing my progress every day and I felt better about myself. So if you want to set New Year's resolutions that are going to be successful, I'd suggest you do something similar, that you try and uh, achieve these things incrementally and more importantly, understand your motivations underneath why you're doing this. If you don't really understand your motivations, and if you try and make it too big, then there's a good chance that you could set yourself up for failure and all of that negative self-talk, the tensions and the stress that I've just covered that come with that. So I really want us to be inspired by our New Year's resolutions rather than kind of, you know, doing the whole self-flagellation and bracing ourselves for failure. I want us to be uplifted by the idea of stepping into the future version of ourselves and be really inspired by the changes that we're making in our lives. So I encourage you to spend some time thinking about your personal values, what's really important to you and which of those values you would like to focus on. Um, and I'd like you to think about who you want to be in the future, how you see yourself, how do you want to feel about your life in the future? And then from that space, think about what you want to achieve towards that in the next 12 months. And it could be something that is kind of bigger than, than the in individual decisions that you want to be making towards it, a bit like how I was saying that I wanted to move myself closer to being that mother by making healthy choices. It actually took me another couple of years after that and, and a round of IVF to become a mum. So it's not like I was able to determine what those steps were that I needed to make in order to get there or even the time frame within which I was going to achieve my big goal. But every day I was going to make decisions that were aligned to that big goal and I would understand the reason why I was doing it and I would recognize the changes that I was making and feel good about myself for doing that. And that's really what I want you to take away from today. Now, making change is hard, okay? Your subconscious mind wants to keep you safe. And the subconscious mind avoids novelty because if it's unknown, it could be unsafe. However, that leaves us stuck. So the other thing that I want you to think about is future outcomes. So when you think about a change that you're considering making in your life, if you just think about what could go wrong with it or what the repercussions of pursuing this thing could be and, and have all your, you know, all of your worst case scenarios around what happens if you make that change that your, um, your mind will come up with, I want you to also consider the, the opposite. So what's the worst case scenario that could happen if you don't change? What's the worst case scenario if you remain stuck as you are? Um, and you may find that actually that's not the right change because when you weigh up those two options of change or not change, it doesn't make sense to change. But there may be some changes that actually, whoa, Yes, when I think about what could happen, what's the worst case scenario if I stick with how I am, with how things are? 
then maybe that will motivate you. Tim Ferriss has a great TED talk on what he calls fear setting that you might want to watch. I'll make sure that I include the link in the notes. Um, so if the idea of making changes, if you know or you have some ideas about the changes you want to make and they're big and they feel a bit scary, then I think it's really worth having a look at what he says. Um, I think it's a really useful exercise to go through if you've got elevated anxiety around making changes. So th those are kind of, that's more if you're trying to make big changes that you feel particularly uncomfortable about. Um, so if you like the idea of everything I've just described, I've created a guided meditation to help you get into the right headspace for goal setting. And I've also created a worksheet to step you through the process that I would suggest you go through to figure out what your goals or resolution should be. Now, if you happen to decide that those goals include wanting to integrate mindful practices like yoga, breathwork, meditation into your life, then you might want to look up my signature program called Spiral Up From Stress. Um, at the time of publishing this episode, the program isn't actually open for enrollment, but you could get on the waitlist. And if you're on the waitlist, then you will be the first to get any updates or any early bird offers. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, there are a couple of other things that I wanted to, to remind you of. So I've already touched on the fact that you have to be kind to yourself when you're making changes. There will be days that you will trip up and that is okay. It's just one day and we are only human. What's important is what happens the following day and the day after that and the day after that and a week later and two weeks later. So tripping up one day, maybe even two days, maybe you have a few days that things go to pot. You go away for the weekend and all of your efforts go out the window. The worst thing you can do is come home and focus on your failure and tell yourself, you know, do all that negative self-talk. And the more you focus on something, the more you will keep repeating that. So instead, I want you to focus on all those early successes you had before those three days of, of not doing the thing that you're trying to do. Um, so it's important to pick yourself up after your bad day or days, accept that we are all only human, focus on your successes, and you've had more successes than you've had trip-ups, and that is the path to being successful. And this is something that I talk about more on the program because the, the program's all about embedding new habits and it's really difficult to embed new habits. And we need to be really kind to ourselves and recognize our successes and not become focused on the negative, um, which is so easy to do and it's in our human nature to do. Now I want to leave you with one intriguing final thought about creating change in your life and about stress. So many of us consider stress to just be a purely bad thing. Now, stress is actually a physiological response in the body, and it's on a scale. There's, you know, there's extremes, and then there's lesser amounts of stress. And it's just the, the sympathetic nervous system in action. So we've got, in our autonomic nervous system, we've got the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. We also have the enteric um, nervous system, but that's... <laughs> another story again. So the sympathetic and the, ner the parasympathetic nervous system are our fight and flight versus that rest and digest. And it's on a scale as to which one of those two we are in. So we can be a little bit relaxed or deeply relaxed. We can be a little bit stressed or extremely stressed. Now, we wouldn't get out of bed if the sympathetic nervous system didn't work. 
if we didn't have our sympathetic nervous system, we would have no motivation and we would get nothing done. So the sympathetic nervous system gets a really bad rap, so does stress. Um, so the pair of them go hand in hand and get a really bad rap. But we would get nothing done if we didn't have a sympathetic nervous system. We would be deeply relaxed in our parasympathetic nervous system, laying in our beds, wouldn't it be blissful, but nothing would ever get done. And then where's the fulfillment in life? Where's the interaction in life? So we have to expect some stress when we venture into the unknown. When we make changes in our life, there is a sense of unknown. To thrive through making change, we have to accept that there will be stress that comes with it. Whether that is the anxiety that we experience before we stand up and give a public talk, because our New Year's resolution is to become better at public talking, so we're going to experience some anxiety and days of stress perhaps beforehand as we get to, to, into that situation. Or maybe it's the anxiety of being in a social situation where we're not sure what to do with our hands anymore. We're so used to having that cigarette in our hands. How on earth do we, do we operate without that? So even if it's something like cigarette smoking and somebody's not doing that constantly, there is a sense of unknown that comes with that. And with that unknown comes a bit of stress or anxiety. And I want you to embrace that not all stress is bad for you. In fact, some stress is good for you because some stress, stress is on this scale, the scale of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. And we're getting out of bed and we're interacting with life and we're doing new things and we're making change and we're learning and we're falling over and we're tripping up and we're making mistakes and we're pulling ourselves together again and we're going again and we're, we're accepting that sometimes it's not going to be easy and sometimes there will be a bit of stress. And that's okay because that's part of life. So that's, I'm beginning to dip into a whole different episode now, so I'm going to leave it there. And I just want to leave this by reminding you that um, you can download the uh, meditation and the workbook that goes hand in hand with today's episode. And I want to wish you a very happy new year. And if you happen to be using this in the future and it's not new year, then all the best of luck to you too. All the best of luck to all of you in setting and achieving those goals and new resolutions for your life. So have a good one and thanks for listening. These podcasts are here to help you manage your stress and burnout and your feedback is really valuable. So please rate this podcast and also drop me a note with any questions, suggestions or feedback that you might have. One of the most common questions I get asked is where should I start? And I believe that the best place for you to start is to learn how to soothe your nervous system. I've created a free download with instructions for five different ways that you can do just this and all of them work pretty much instantly. It's called the Essential Toolkit for Management Consultants. You can download it now at www.hannaholden.co.uk forward slash essential. One last thing, it's the legal language. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of your doctor, psychotherapist or other qualified professional. Thank you.